Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Open your Bibles to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. It's where we're going to be tonight as we conclude our series through the life of David. We have spent the past couple months looking at this hero uh, of the faith, this hero of Scripture, King David, who is the second king of Israel. He is, the New Testament calls him a man after God's own heart. And he is, uh, through him, uh, Jesus enters the world. So through David's line, through David's family, Jesus the Messiah enters the world. Last week, uh, Nate preached a message that he called, How to Ruin Your Life and Your Legacy. And tonight, I'm going to be preaching a message, part two of that, which is how to restore your life and legacy. Uh, we looked last week at David's big sin in his life. One of his, his many sins, but probably the most severe of all of his sins, maybe of like anybody ever. And, and tonight we're going to talk about how to restore your life and legacy. I'm going to spoil the whole message right away at the beginning. Is that okay? This is how you, how you restore your life and legacy. You learn how to say sorry. How do you restore your life and legacy? You learn how to say sorry. We're all too familiar with this story. An influencer, YouTuber, actor, whatever it is, they mess up big time. They tweeted something 10 years ago that is just horrible. Someone finds out that this is how they treat their assistant or the waiter at a restaurant Or they walk up on stage in the middle of the Oscars and slap someone in the face. (laughs) Then their whole fan base turns on them. I'm unsubscribing from your YouTube channel. I am unfollowing you on Instagram. I will no longer be entertained by your movies. Except for that one. (laughs) Except for Fresh Prince. We like that. And so... Brands start saying, oh, we're, we're no longer doing deals with this person anymore. And a couple weeks of silence goes by. And then the person musters up the courage to go into their closet, to go into the corner where there's a little dusty box, and they wipe it off, they blow it off, they pick up the box, and they put it here, and they open the box, and the loot box noise from Fortnite starts playing. Ah! And what do they unfold? But a gray hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> and they go into their bedroom and they record a video that they publish on YouTube that's called, like, Let's Talk. <laughs> and they make an apology video, and boom! Their career is back. They're the best. They're actually on top. They're better than they ever were. I go to my Apple uh, TV thing, and it's Will Smith's face. You know, from, from Ellen to James Charles to Will Smith to the Liver King, if you guys are into that guy. This story arc has happened to everybody. 
And if you want to restore your life and your legacy, you need to learn how to say sorry. In fact, that's what Jesus preached. At the beginning of his ministry, the, the, the message that Jesus came to preach was this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that word repent, it, it carries this idea of turning from something and doing something else. Doing a 180. And other, it's, it's saying sorry for what I've been doing, and I'm going to be doing something new now. And if you want to learn how to restore your life and legacy, you need to learn how to say sorry. Or in Jesus' language, you need to learn how to repent. So David last week, as you remember, he sinned big time. He, he, he impregnated a close friend of his wife. Okay? And then he tried to get him drunk to convince him that maybe his, that child's actually his. That didn't work. So then David was like, okay, you just go to the battlefield and, and die. And then I'm going to swoop in like a hero and marry the widow. And everyone's going to love me. That's what David did. And so now here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we are going to see when David gets busted. So for some time... David had kept this secret. He had done the sin, but no one had found out about it. And until God speaks to this prophet named Nathan. And Nathan, just a couple chapters earlier, actually came to David with a great promise from God. Saying, because of what you've done and how you've lived, David, your, from your bloodline will be the Messiah. And you are going to be the king over Israel and all these great things. And now just a couple chapters later, Nathan comes with a different kind of message. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1 says this, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ooh lamb, which he had, had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man's house who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took instead the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then David said, or Nathan said to David, you are that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you, God speaking, I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. 
Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Let's pray, and we're going to talk about this story. Lord God, I pray that you'd speak to us this evening. Lord, I pray that your word would would come alive in our hearts. Lord, that we would leave this place just better understanding how to live for you. Lord, I pray that your spirit speaks to us. And in Jesus' name, amen. So here's this story. Nathan, he gets this word from God of the sin that David had committed. So he comes and Nathan confronts him by means of parable, by a story. He says there's these two guys. One's rich, one's poor. One has a lot of lambs, one only has one lamb, and sits at the dinner table and uses a fork and knife and eats the regular food and drinks out of, out of mugs and makes his own bed and is a, a functioning member of society, this lamb. And the, the rich man has many lambs. Someone stops by the rich man's house and is hungry, a traveler. And the rich man says, I'm going to prepare you a meal, but I don't want to get any of my lambs. You know, I don't want to bother my lambs. So I'm going to go take this poor man's lamb. He kills the functioning member of society lamb and prepares a meal for this traveler. And David is furious. David says, this man should be killed. He should, he should be killed and he should repay and all this stuff. And Nathan interrupts him and he says, David, you are that man. You have all the splendor of Israel. You have all the the power. You are the king. God has given you everything you could ever ask for. And he would have given you more had you asked for it. But still, you, you took Uriah's wife and you killed him and you tried to cover it up. And, and David, he, I, I imagine his ears are like smoking hot. You know when you get busted by something, you're just like, oh, and you feel like hollow. And you like, your eyes are kind of twitching. You like, can't see. And this is just me getting caught with my hand in the gummy bear jar in eighth grade. And I can't move past it, but it is what it is. And, and we get busted doing these things. And, and so David is, oh, no. And David responds in verse 13 and says, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And right away, with David's response to Nathan, we see that, that I'm sure when Nathan walked in the room, David goes, oh no, the prophet's here. I'm sure David was thinking about this sin every moment. And when, when Nathan walks in, I'm sure he had already knew Nathan, he, he says this thing, he starts telling the story, and David's like, oh, he probably doesn't know. He's probably fine. I'm going to get super into the story. He'll be out in a jiffy. It is what it is. He's like, oh, he should die. And then he says, that's you. And, and David instantly is remorseful. In Psalm chapter 51 is a psalm of David, and it's, it's a poem or a song that David writes, we're told, after this encounter with the prophet Nathan. So Nathan comes, and he calls out David for his sin. He says, this is what you've done. God is displeased. And, and David says, oh, I have sinned against the Lord. And then he goes, and he writes this poem. Now, I encourage you to read all of Psalm chapter 51, but I really just want to talk about one verse in Psalm 51. 
David talks about the fact that he is repenting from his sin and it's by the mercy of God that God would listen to him. And and then David moves into this kind of main idea here in verse 10 that he asks of God. He says this, Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. We see David is confronted for something that he's done wrong. And right away, talking to Nathan, he says, I have sinned against you, my Lord. And then later, he is asking God, create in me a clean heart. The language that David uses here is pretty interesting. He says, he says create in me. A clean heart. There's another psalm, it's a very famous psalm of David, Psalm uh, 139, where David is confessing to God and praying to God about some emotional turmoil that he's going through. He says, Search me and know me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts, is what he cries out to God. And then he, he asks God of something. He says, Lead me in the way of everlasting. There's this idea, I'm struggling with this emotional thing. Lord, search my anxieties, search my fears, search my worries, and lead me out of them. But when David is talking about his sin, when he is talking about the way that he has sinned against God, his language is very different. He says, create in me a clean heart. This idea of creation is making something new, right? When you create something, it didn't exist. I created it, and now it exists. David doesn't say, refurbish my heart. He doesn't say, correct my heart. He doesn't say, lead me in a new direction. He says, create in me a clean heart. David, by saying this, he has an understanding that that he has sinned, and he has has hurt God, and he has sinned against God, but because he has sinned is not what makes him a sinner. He has sinned because he is a sinner. And that's the same with us. We don't sin so much that, okay, you've sinned, now you're a sinner. We sin because we're sinners, The sin, the actions that we do that go against God, the actions that we do that that hurt God, that are against God, it is a byproduct of our sinful hearts or our sinful nature. And David, when he's praying this to God, he says, Lord, create in me a new heart. I don't want to be corrected. I want to be recreated. Jesus, in his ministry, having a conversation Uh, with a religious leader, he tells him that unless someone is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. The Apostle Paul says that we were dead and now we are alive. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And David understood that, that he was a sinner and and his actions were a byproduct of of who he was. It it didn't make him a sinner. So often we get it twisted. 
We think that our deeds is what makes us sinners. So then, we live our whole life just trying to cover up all the bad things we do. We, we aren't honest with where we were with our parents. They don't really care, so we're fine. We, we, we go out to this place. No one really asked where I was, and so it's fine. I clear my search history. No one finds out, so it's fine. We, we, we do all, all of these things because we think if someone finds out about our deeds, then we'll be wrong. But Davis has created me a clean heart. I need to be brand new because I'm a sinner. And David's apology to God was not an apology with eye drops in his eyes, a gray hoodie, his ring light set up just right, with an apology that sounded like, I'm so sorry I did this. This is not a reflection of my character. It's not who I am. It's a really dark time in my life. I was very overwhelmed. David said, that is who I am. I'm a sinner. My, ex- my actions show exactly who I am, Lord, and I'm sorry. I need you to completely recreate me. I need a new heart, and I need to be restored, and I need to be remade. We need to understand that repentance is not asking to be cre- corrected, but to be recreated. It's my first point is repentance is recreation. Repentance is not correct me, it's recreate me. It's not redirect me, it's redesign me. Repentance is more than a behavioral modification, but it's complete rebirth. What Jesus called being born again, Paul said a new creation. It's turning from ourself, our own fleshly desires, our own appetites for sin, and taking on the desires of God and living as his creation, accepting his gift of righteousness. And so when we repent, like David, we come to God and we say, Lord, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. That What I've done to sin against you, to hurt you, to hurt others, that is exactly who I am, Lord, and I am sorry. I need you to recreate me. Lord, give me your righteousness. Lord, thank you for Jesus who lived righteous because I couldn't. Lord, I accept his righteousness and that that is repentance. And then David, in the second part of the verse, he says, renew in me a steadfast spirit. He He says, create me brand new. He says, blot out my transgressions, wash away my sin, recreate me, make me new. And then he says, restore in me a steadfast spirit. My first point was repentance is recreation. My second point is repentance is reestablishment. What David asks for is a steadfast spirit. A steadfast spirit. There, there is uh, another uh, uh, section in scripture in the New Testament where, where it's the same English word, but the, the Greek word that's used for steadfast, I, I like to translate the English to this, it, it means to super stand against. So be steadfast, to be, to like have a, have like set in your haunches and like ready to go. And, and so what what David is asking for is a spirit that is steadfast, that is able to stand against things. 
So he, he, he asks God, recreate me, forgive me, make me brand new, but also give me a spirit that walks brand new. Give me a spirit that is willing to fight to protect the new heart that you've given me. He says, give me a steadfast spirit. I want to repent. I want to turn away from the things I've done. And I now want to walk in the direction of newness. I want to walk, the Bible says, that we should walk in the newness of life. That we should, we should walk with Jesus and have a steadfast spirit that is able to stand against things. I'm going to give you three characteristics of a steadfast spirit. I'm going to tell a story, and then we're going to close. Is that okay? One, a steadfast spirit resists temptation. A steadfast spirit resists temptation. A steadfast spirit, when when is invited to a party, says no. Steadfast spirit, um, late at night, you know, 9.30, puts the phone in the drawer. A steadfast spirit... Um, doesn't hang out with those people and instead hangs out with these people. Uh, a steadfast spirit, uh, when their parents asks what you did, is honest. And a steadfast spirit, um, even when their parents don't ask, they tell them. And a steadfast spirit is, is obedient to, to people. And a steadfast spirit is, is able to resist the temptation to live solely for yourself. When we repent and we turn and, and we're a new creation, we now are living for God instead of ourself. And a steadfast spirit is able to resist that temptation. But also a steadfast spirit is able to run in the easy seasons. I think so often when, when we're in church, especially when I preach, I'm, I'm sorry about this, but I talk a lot about when life is difficult, and, and I think it's a good thing to focus like, okay, when life is hard, but what about when life is easy? What about when I'm not really struggling with any kind of sin or any, any sort of like real like habitual temptation or when, when I'm feeling pretty good, like, like I've got good friends, like, like my pizza rolls are done, like I'm playing Fortnite, my life is amazing right now, and, and like my, my life is good. Like how do I live during that time? And a steadfast spirit is able to look around and say, my life is pretty good right now. I'm going to press into you, God. And I'm going to thank you for what you've done. And I'm going to praise you for what you've done. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you to do more because I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be here for the rest of my life. And a steadfast spirit is running in the easy season. But also, a steadfast spirit repents again and again. Um, worship team, you guys can come up here and I'm going to close. When the Jesus invites us into relationship with him, he says, he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he invites us into this relationship with him that, that he did all the work. Jesus came, he died on the cross, he forgives our sins. We don't need, we don't need to work we don't need to strive. We don't need to do anything to earn his grace. All we have to do is what Jesus tells us to do. Repent. 
He says, repent and believe. And we receive what Jesus has done. We receive the righteousness. And I think, if I can be honest, for me, when I, when I heard that, and I really understood it for the first time, I was about 13 years old, and I was like, that's easy, no brainer. <laughs> I'm a sinner, I know. I mess up all the time. I embarrass myself. If embarrassment's a sin, lock me up for a long time. <laughs> and, and so I repent initially, and it's easy. But if any of you guys know or have walked with Jesus for any length of time, you know that once you accept Jesus, you don't just become miraculously perfect. And you sin again. And you sin again. And you sin again. So often, it's hard to return when you've sinned so many times. Jesus tells a story in one of his teachings about a, a man who, who sins against his father. The son asks his dad for his inheritance uh, be, before he dies. Basically, what he says is, can you just die already, dad, so I can do whatever I want? I just want your money. I don't want to know you. I think you're pretty lame. Like, you're lucky the jorts are kind of coming back in style. You've been rocking them for a long time. Give me the money, and I'm out. He moves to a city. He spends all of his money, his dad's inheritance, on pleasures and things, and he blows the entire amount and finds himself working for a pig farmer, unable to buy food, living and eating with the pigs. And as he's laying there, in the mess of all of his bad decisions, he begins to think about his dad. And he says, oh, maybe I could go back to my dad and I could ask him for a job. I remember his servants, like, had bread. I could really go for some bread right now. And so maybe I could go back to my dad and I could ask if, if I could be a servant. On his way home, I, I just picture the, this son walking and just thinking and rehearsing his lines. Like, hey, Dad, it's me. No, that's no good. Um, maybe I should just call him by his first name, Jim? He doesn't think his father will love him like a son because of the things that he's done. But he says, maybe I, maybe I could work for him. He turns onto the street that his father's house is on. There's a long, windy road to, to the front porch, and, and he's really dialing it in. He's like, I know you hate me, Dad. I know you can't, I can't be your son, but I was thinking I could maybe uh, work. And right away, the dad meets him. I imagine he runs, gives him a bear hug. He's holding a brand-new robe, new clothes, a golden ring, he lifts them up in the air. They're spinning around. The sun begins to smell the smell of a feast being prepared. And the father is rejoicing that his son was coming home. The son didn't even make it all the way to the father's house. And the dad is there to lift him up and, and restore him. And I was thinking of that story. And I was thinking of what Jesus said. He said, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is here. You don't need to travel to it. You don't need to work your way for it. It's Jesus who has 
who has met us as we are trying to muster up the courage to pray to God, but, but the, the prayers aren't even leaving our tongues because, because as soon as I said the word sin today, you guys were already thinking of stuff. I said the word sin and there was feelings that came into your stomach. You're like, oh no. Some, some of you guys, like, coming to church tonight, you're like, I don't know if I can even go. Like, I've, if I walk in there, you know, the place is going to be on fire. People say that all the time. We set our AC so low, you're good. <laughs> but, but the Father has come and has met you in the middle of the road, has lifted you up with brand new clothes and a ring. He has, he has prepared the feast he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is right here. It has met us exactly where we're at. It has met us in our sin, in our brokenness. No matter all of the bad things that we've done, no matter how wicked we are, God says, I know that and I want to give you a new heart. And I want to give you a steadfast spirit that you are able to withstand temptation and you are able to run with me and not grow weary and I'll put you on wings like eagles and when you mess up, guess what? I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again. God's legs never get tired meeting us in the middle of the road. When we turn to God, He is always there. We turn, it's, oh, it's going to be a long, oh, How'd you get here so fast? You're sneaky. <laughs> and if that's anyone in this room tonight, we're going we're gonna to sing a song. And I'm going to ask the, the leaders if you guys can make your way to the back. Um, it's going to be loud. We're going to be singing. We're going to be doing our thing. But if you want to come home tonight, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I, I am a sinner. And not only am I a sinner, but I have done some things that are pretty sinful. But Lord, I, I want to come back to you. I want to receive your gift of righteousness. And I want to put it on like a new robe. And I want to put on a ring that says I'm yours. So when people look at me, they know whose family I'm a part of. And I want to have a steadfast spirit that is willing to fight for the new thing that you've given me. I want to resist temptation and I want to run with you. And I will be back again and again every time I mess up. And I understand that your arms are open wide.